0: Let's look at our Bibles to the book of Hebrews to chapter 11. Hebrews in chapter 11, that chapter that's known as the faith chapter of the Bible. Hebrews in chapter 11, I'll begin by just reading verses 1 and 2. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen, for by it the elders obtained a good report. Our subject is overcoming faith, faith which overcomes. In verse 2, it was by faith that the elders obtained a good report. That good report is not from men, it's from God. It's just simply that they please God. You'll notice in verse 6, without faith it is impossible to please Him. The elders obtained a good report. It's a basic fact of Christianity of the Word of God no one ever pleases God apart from faith. Again, I know that because of verse 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please him, and we're told in Scripture, whatsoever is not of faith is sin. I think we fail to realize that sometime. But a faithless person, There are many in our generation, as there has been in generations before us, a faithless person cannot and will not ever please God. Even the plowing of the wicked is sin. For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. In verse 5, By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God, a man of faith. I cannot help but wonder how many it is in churches today those that wear the name of a Christian, how many of them are known as someone who pleases God? Enoch had that reputation. We're told that before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. I'm going in this same chapter over to verse 30. Here I want to read verse 30 through verse 38. In verse 30, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. You know, it's easy to read that and not consider what a great feat that was. These were not, flimsy walls that fail as we read about in verse 30. Rahab is mentioned in verse 31. She had a house on top of the wall of Jericho. The wall was so thick and massive, houses were on top of it. But the walls failed, And we're told in Scripture's By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down. After, they were compassed about seven days. By faith, the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace. And what shall I say more? For the time would fail me the tale of Gideon of, in a barack, and of Barak and Samson, Jatha and of David also, and Samuel and of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lies, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again, and others. I know I've mentioned this to you before. When you read Hebrews chapter 11, you have many people that are listed here. They're listed by name, and we're thankful for every one of them. But if it's possible, when I reach heaven, I'd like to meet these that are only known in Hebrews 11 as others. They're not named. We don't know who they were, just others. Verse 35 again. Women received their dead, raised to life again. And others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonments. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword, were, they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented, and notes especially the next words, of whom the world was not worthy. All of these that are named and these that are known only As others, in verse 35 and verse 36, this sinful world is not worthy of men and women of faith. Have you ever just considered that? If you are a a true Christian today, I could say, to each of you and for each of you, the world is not worthy of you. Have you ever thought about that, Brother Joel? The world is not worthy of you. Think about how Christians are thought of by the world, how they're thought of in the world. Saints of God are mocked, ridiculed, defamed. They're just considered really as nothing in this world, but all the while the world is not worthy of one true believer. The world's not worthy. Look in First Corinthians. Now, I'm coming back to Hebrews in just a moment. In First Corinthians and in chapter 4, 1 Corinthians, and in chapter 4, won't you notice what's said about the apostles? I began in verse 9. For I think that God has set forth us, the apostles, last, as it were appointed to death, for or because we are made a spectacle of, unto the world, and to angels, and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake, but ye are wise in Christ. We are weak, but ye are strong. Ye are honorable, but we are despised. Even under this present hour, we both hunger and thirst, and are naked, or buffeted, have no certain dwelling place, and labor, working with our hands, being reviled, we bless, being persecuted, we suffer, being defamed, we entreat, we are made as filth of the world, and as the offscouring of all things unto this day. But yet, The world was not worthy of those men. The world is not worthy of true believers today. Back in our reading in Hebrews in chapter 11, I'm going to read once again verse 30 through verse 33. By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. By faith the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace. And what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and of Samson, and Jatha, of David also, and Samuel, and of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms. Now we're dealing with overcoming faith. That's our message. Notice this, overcoming faith. Who through faith subdued kingdoms wrought righteousness, Obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. It was equally by faith in verse 35, That women receive their dead, raised to life again. Then you have the others. I'll mention again, God-given faith is overcoming faith. It overcomes the world. It gives us the victory in this world. I'm going to the book of 1 John and reading in chapter 5. Here is a, again, one of those very plain, blatant statements that I find in the Word of God. It includes some, excludes many. 1 John chapter 5, in verse 4. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh. The world. Every one who ever reads this or hear it being preached upon, taught in any way at all, ought to find this as a point of self examination. Do I overcome the world? Or am I overcome by the world? Notice again verse 4. Whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world. Even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. When you look at this Question in verse 5, Who is he that overcometh the world? The answer can only be one. It's no one but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. In verse 4 and also in verse 5, as we have that word, Overcometh. It's a very strong word. It is a word that that speaks of power. It's overcoming. It means to conquer. It means to prevail over. Simply put, it means to get the victory. To get the victory. Whatsoever is born of God conquers this world, prevails over this world, has the victory over this world. This word conquereth here certainly speaks of a warfare, it speaks of strife, it speaks of a conflict in which we have the victory. In and of ourselves, we cannot overcome the world. But the victory in verse 4, the latter part of the verse, is this God-given faith. This is the victory that overcometh the world. Even our faith, we conquer, we conquer The world. Those that have this God given faith are chosen of God to be soldiers. We often speak about the warfare, and there is a spiritual warfare. While the world may think we have peace because we have no war, there is always a spiritual battle and warfare that is going on. Well, who is fighting the battle other than soldiers chosen of God? I'm going to read in 2 Timothy and in chapter 2. In 2 Timothy and in chapter 2, verse 3. Thou, therefore, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. Why? That he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Everyone Everyone here and everyone in this world who has the faith of God's elect, they are those who have been chosen of God to be a soldier, to be a soldier. And the good thing about being a soldier of the Lord is that we're always guaranteed victory. We never promise defeat, we are always promised victory. We love to sing the hymn, victory in Jesus. Not in and of ourselves, but we are are conquerors, we are prevailers, we overcome. As soldiers, if you look to Ephesians chapter 6, we are well equipped. You're familiar or ought to be with the armor of God in Ephesians in chapter six. After all the instructions that Paul had given in the book of Ephesians, when he gets to first ten, he says, Finally, brethren, got one more thing to tell you. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Certainly it is implied here without the entirety, the whole armor of God, we are not equipped to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now, any good soldier, whether in an army of nations in this world or soldiers of the Lord, know when you go into battle, be prepared, put on the armor. Foolish thing to try to do battle and not have the armor. And I won't read all of this, but again, it says to put on the whole armor of God. Put on the whole armor. As you read about the whole armor of God, something we've pointed out before, but it's worth pointing out again. When God provides armor for those whom he has chosen to be soldiers, he provides not even one piece of armor for the backside. It's all on the front. We don't run. We don't turn our backs to the enemy. We go into battle, promise victory. We don't need armor for our backs, for we're going to face the enemies of God and we are going to conquer. Individually, collectively, as the Lord's church, as the soldiers of the Lord, assemble together in one place and make up a local body of Christ, the churches of God have been made a promise by God, the gates of hell shall not prevail against you. You know, gates, are not offensive weapons. They're defensive. We're marching as soldiers. We're advancing as soldiers. The Lord said, go into the world. That's the command that our our commanding officer gave us. Go into the world. And he said, the gates, the defensive Mechanisms of the devil shall not prevail against you. Promised victory. Promised victory. When these soldiers of the Lord that are mentioned here go into battle, they are armed with the armor of God. Our weapons are not carnal. They're not fleshly but they are spiritual to the pulling down of strongholds. I don't know how many times I've actually, literally seen that happen. Pulling down of strongholds. I mention from time to time our experiences in Thailand. One time Janice and I went way up in the mountains. sometimes we go into the mountains, sometimes we go way up into the mountains. We were in a village that we were literally in the clouds. In the middle of that village was a circle deal with wood. Planks stood up in a circle. In the middle of it, an earthen altar. They made animal sacrifices there. It was a strange thing. Brother Camp was with us then. We went there and preached several times. Then one time we went back. To our amazement, the wooden circle was gone. The earthen altar flattened. was there no more. What happened? What happened? When the gospel of Jesus Christ came, they had to go. They left. They left. The pulling down of strongholds. It's all by faith. I go back to 1 John again in chapter 5 and in verse 4. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. You might remember in your schooling, in history classes, you learned about so many in history. Their one goal was to conquer the world. Alexander the Great and so many more. Their goal was to conquer the world. They never could They all failed. Well, those that are born of God, according to 1 John 5 and in verse 4, do what earthly men and nations and armies could never do. And we just do it by faith. Overcome the world. We overcome the world. Those that are born of God, overcometh the world. If you would, turn with me to Revelation and in chapter 2. I want to read to you some promises made to and for those who by faith overcome the world. There are some great promises. In Revelation and in chapter 2, i read verse 7. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. In verse 11, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith under the churches, he that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. In verse 17 of the same chapter, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna, and will give him a white stone, And in the stone a new name written, which no man knoweth, saving he that receiveth it. In chapter 3 and in verse 5, he that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment. And I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. In verse 12, Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out, and I will write upon him the name of my God, the name of the city of my God, which is the new Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from God and I will write upon him my new name. In verse 21, To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also uh, overcame and am sat down with my Father in his throne. If you go all the way over to chapter 21, In Revelation and in chapter 21, verse 7, He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. There's something to being an overcomer. There are many that claim to have faith. But we read in Hebrews that the the victory is faith. In 1 John 5 and in verse 4, the victory is our faith. But so many claim to have faith, but they have no victory over the world. Some claim to have faith, but they're found wanting and lacking. How do I know that? Because many claim faith, but are not faithful. That's a contradiction to me. To claim to have faith, but yet not be faithful. How could it be? How could it be? If if you tell me that you have faith, but all the while you are not faithful, don't blame me if I don't believe you. Faith is victorious faith. It's overcoming the world. Faithfulness seems to be an evidence of faith. That's just common sense to me. James tells us that faith without works is dead. Bible scholars that I've read of say that the word translated faith so many times carries the meaning of being constant in faith. It's not something that's part-time. It's being constant, constant. Look at Colossians, if you would. In the book of Colossians and in chapter 1, Colossians and in chapter 1, and look at verse 21 and verse 22. In verse 21, And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, Yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy, unblameable, and uh, and unreprovable in his sight. Notice the next few words. If you continue in the faith. Boy, it's good to. We're happy to claim verse 21, verse 22, but it gets very personal when you get to verse 23. If you continue in the faith, grounded and saddled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which ye have heard, and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, and made a minister if you continue in the faith if you continue in the faith i go back to first john again chapter 5 first john chapter 5 verse 4 speaks of something supernatural something that is extraordinary, something that is miraculous. For whatsoever is born of God, you must be born again. You know, it does not matter to me how advanced one may get in biblical knowledge Never, never get away from the words of Jesus. You must be born again. When you look at 1 John 5 and then verse 4, it's so easy just to read, Whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And we read over it so easily because the word born again has just been used by so many just very flippantly. I'm a born-again Christian. Remember, just before I came here, I met with the men. They had a questionnaire for me, and one of the questions was one of the silliest things I ever saw in my life. Are you a born-again Christian? And I couldn't help but ask those men that I met with, do you know of any other kind? Are you a born-again Christian? If you are a true Christian, you are born of God. Born of God. In verse 4, whatsoever is born of God. And I won't go there right now, but in the book of John in chapter 1, you'll find out that this being born of God is not of the will of man, it's not of the will of the flesh, it's not of blood, it's of God. It's of God, solely of God. And whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. This is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. And that faith we know is not of ourselves, the gift of God. I'm going to read the verse one more time and close. For whatsoever is born of God, overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. And those that are truly born of God have this faith. I'll remind you again, the world is not worthy of them. Brother Royce, come and lead us, and let's stand together.